Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Our next guest is a hell of a football coach. I last ran into him on the sideline before the Civil War game between Oregon and Oregon State this season. I walked by, I saw Dennis Erickson, and I just, a uh, big smile. It's a guy uh, who brought Oregon State to the Fiesta Bowl, put him on the map, Coach Jonathan Smith. Won two national championships at Miami. Coached uh, in so many other places, Arizona State, the NFL, Idaho. I'm not leaving Idaho out. The Idaho fans are tweeting at me because I didn't mention Idaho in my tweet. But he was also an offensive coordinator in 1979, 1980, 1981 at San Jose State. I want to ask him about those teams, too, because I grew up, I was 10 years old. That was my team. Ed Luther at quarterback, Steve Clarkson, Gerald Wilhite, Gil Bird. Oh, those teams were good. Jarrell Thomas in the backfield. I could give you names. You have a team. You remember that team, that first team you rooted for? San Jose State, 1979, 1980, 1981. Those were my teams. And Dennis Erickson was calling the place. Thank you for calling the place for those teams. I had so much fun watching those teams. John, thanks for having me. You know, that was a great time in my life because it uh, set up my philosophy a lot uh, offensively, working with Jack, L.A., and then being around John and all that. But, you know, we were Jack was the first guy when we were at San Jose to really get in, in the spread stuff and, empty and nobody in the backfield and that's what we, we learned we learned it from a high school coach in in los angeles it was john's uh, high school coach and uh, and we as time went on uh, he can continue to develop it and i continued to develop it over a period of time and so it was a lot it was learning for me but it was a lot of fun and san jose state i mean we had some players man yeah mark nichols if you remember him yep. he played in the league for a long time out of Bakersfield, and, and uh, but those guys you mentioned uh, bring bring back a lot of memories. That was a lot of fun. One of my favorite offensive players was number one Tim Kearse, and you would get him the ball, and that guy would kill defenses. Without a question, we had him in the slot. Same thing people are doing now, and you know, three receivers one way or two and two, and we even went to five. But uh, Tim Kearse, we always had him in the slot, and. Everybody uh, thinks they invented all this stuff, but uh, it was pretty easy. I mean, we, we put uh, Tim Kyrus in the slot, and those days they weren't playing a lot of nickel and dime, so you'd have a linebacker covering him. So only the stupid would not try to throw the ball to him. And we did many, many times. <laughs> I have uh, I had Jarris Bird on the show, the former Oregon defensive back, and it was a humbling moment for me, Coach, when I realized that was Gil Bird's son. And I was like, I'm old. Like that, what happened? You, as a coach, you probably saw generations. Like you coached different generations, didn't you? 
Yeah, I really did. And you know, Gil Gil was a great player. Uh, Gilbert played in the played in the league for a long time, but kind of look back at the players we had there. And I remember we played Baylor back there when they had Mike Singletary, who was their middle linebacker, and they were ranked, I think, one or two in the country. And so we went back, we went back there, and we spread them out. And one one guy in the backfield and receivers and Singletary had to cover Kyrus, and we ended up upsetting them. Yeah. And uh, he was so freaking tired after that game because we threw it all the time, and he had to cover yeah. Singletary. And, and I saw him later on in life. I said, what did you think? He said, why in the hell didn't you run at least one place? Like, <laughs> sit down and relax. Yep, I love it. Uh, you know, Dennis Erickson is our guest, and, you know, I want to talk about a lot of different things. But what was that like for you to see Jonathan Smith at Oregon State? I know you were on the sideline for that Civil War game, and, you kind of watched that unfold, and you said to me before the game, you said it's his time. I I thought that was that was really interesting because that game ended up being his time. Well, without a without a question, Jonathan is a true Beaver, and and uh, you know, coached for me at Montana, and and, uh, and of course played played for me. I, you know, his ideas, and I'm not taking any credit for it at all. But you know, we were a lot alike personality-wise as far as you know, what we did offensively and, you know, our philosophy with players and how to develop players, which a lot of people don't give anybody enough time to develop their players. They all go into the transfer portal, whatever the hell that is. And, uh, but John's super. I mean, he, he coaches like he plays. I mean, look at him. He says he's 5'10". I don't know. I, I post him up all the time when we play basketball, so I don't know how tall he is. But, uh, I mean, he's just a He's, he's just a freaking great coach. Players love him. People in Corvallis love him. He's, the thing that he's done, he, he has got a great coaching staff. You know, Jimmy Mahalchuk, who played for me at, at Washington State. Trent Bray, who played, you know, for me. And, and, uh, and of course, his dad coached for me. But, but he's very solid in his beliefs. And what they do offensively is old school, if you want to call it old school. But they do it in the NFL all the time. But, I mean, they're, they're going to build their offense around the run. And they're going to be physical and tough. And and they can spread them out. They do all that stuff. But the main part of their game, you know, is, is running the football. And uh, the other thing that he does, I think, I know they got the kid from Clemson in the portal, but he builds. I mean, yeah. he's still going to spend all kinds of time in the portal. He'll get, he'll get guys that transfer and uh, things like that. But he still builds it from freshman, sophomore, gets a few JC guys and, a, you know, a few transfer guys. But his philosophy, and it's, and it's showing up. I, I look at, you know, the Pac-12 every time, and they are probably the most solid, maybe not the most talented, but the most solid football team that was in the league this year. Them in Utah, and Kyle's kind of the same way. You know, that's how he's built, built his uh, program at Utah. When you develop quarterbacks, you know, ideally you want as much time as possible, but for you to take a big step forward with a young quarterback, how much time do you need with a guy, Coach, and what did, what did you see over the year? I, I'm sure it varies with different players, but what's your your thought on developing a QB? Well, just the basics. I mean, I mean, it's almost like going to a high school camp, you know, when you coach them up and when you do it in spring and when you, I mean, you work on, you know, on steps and throwing the ball and, 
but there's a lot of things that uh, you got to find out about them. What kind of leaders are they? How, what kind of competitors are they? There's a lot of things other than just being, you know, a good athlete. And he's developed guys that weren't all that good. And, you know, I shoot, they won 11 games this year. Or, you know, I don't know that a quarterback's going to be a number one pick. But right. What I'm saying, he just develops. He just develops players, and, and they're always good on on defense. Now they have Trent running the defense, and uh, you know I couldn't be more excited about what's going on there. Yeah, how does that make you feel? Because you you know you coached with him at different stops, and you know you yourself look back at even the early days of your coaching, and there were a lot of influences on you. You're that guy now for a lot of different coaches, including him. Yeah, uh, and you know I'm proud of that, and. Uh, the thing about Jonathan, he, he's not an arrogant, you know, some of these coaches nowadays blow my mind, but he's not a, he's not an arrogant guy. I mean, he, you know, he spends a lot of time with his coaches, got a good staff, and he gives players a chance, and uh, and when he took that thing over, it was a freaking mess, as you know. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he had that one win, I think, the first season, and he just built it and built it and built it and it's going to get better because he hasn't changed what he's going to do when uh, when did you know you had something in him as a QB because you had some nice pieces around there with Chad Johnson and and TJ and uh, you know and and Simonton and but how did you know with Jonathan that you had something well when you look at him physically to start with you know it's it's you know he's not six three he's not doesn't run four or five or anything like that, but what he was is one of the greatest competitors that I've ever been around. And uh, studied football. That's why he's such a good coach. I mean, he spent a lot of time, and him and I spent a lot of time in the film. Room. And because uh, when I went there, they had a couple other players that were supposed to beat him out, and and we went through spring football wasn't even close. And after two weeks of spring football, I said that's our guy. And and he was, and a good thing about him, you know, I've seen him a couple times come off. I chew his ass out, and then he chews my ass out. So that was a pretty good deal. I mean, that's how it was. He knew the game as well as I did. And uh, but he had a good, you know, he had a really good arm. I mean, he was a very, very good passer, very good passer. And what we were doing and trips and spreading them out, he was that was ideal for him. And the offense, you get the ball out a lot. And uh, you know, it was perfect for him, and and he's doing that. And you know, like I said, they're running the football extremely well. Your your time at Miami, uh, you know, nothing but success. Sixty three and nine, two national championships. You were in, you know, the Orange Bowl or the Sugar Bowl, or the Fiesta Bowl. It seemed like every year. Um, you go back to that time. Uh, what went right at Miami that helped you line that up? Well, you know, I haven't. I went from Wyoming to Washington State, and really that was my goal. My dad coached at Washington State, went to Washington State, a lot of my family. And, you know, I, I was a Cougar from when I was six, seven years old and listened, listened to their games, you know, on the radio, listened to guys that uh, ended up being great players. So it, uh, Washington State was, you know, the place I wanted to go, and I, I did, and was only there you know, two two years, and now all of a sudden I'm sitting there at 40 years old, whatever the heck I was. I, I don't know. feels like I'm about 90 now. So, but, <laughs> he, uh, you know, just when you went there, 
and you got you got to give credit credit to Howard Schnellenberger and of course Jimmy Johnson, and uh, and what I what I did there is nothing. I didn't change anything uh, other than what we did offensively. Basically, we kept the defense. Sonny Ludwig was my defensive coordinator, who you know had a Hall of Fame career at at uh, Colorado State, and uh, and we brought a lot of coaches from from the West Coast out there, and. It, Believe me, it's a little different uh, atmosphere in uh, Miami, Florida, than Pullman, Washington. I mean, it's a little different group of people. And <laughs> but I'll tell you what, the thing that I learned from them is that they wanted to have fun, and they, you know, they got credit for being the party guys and all that. Well, that, that. That was so far from the truth; it was unbelievable. But where they were raised in the culture they were raised in, you know, you had fun playing the game. I mean, they weren't ever to try to intimidate people. They intimidated them because they were good. But it wasn't even about that. I mean, they just had fun playing. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, they invented swag. I mean, if you see swag, Miami should be after it. And that's what it was about. And so I went there, I, and we got there, and we went into spring football. And, and fortunately, uh you know, they had a lot of respect for myself and, and my staff, and, you know, we cared about them. And, and I remember the first meeting that I went into after the, after the uh, I was hired before spring ball, I went in and I answered questions and all that stuff. And, and a guy in the back, a guy by the name of Cortez Kennedy, who you might remember, and Cortez never <laughs> said very much, and he raised his hand and he says that, Coach, are you, you going to let us have fun? Are we going to be able to have fun and play? I said, hell yeah. I'm not going to change anything. And we, and, and we didn't. And we took a, you know, a little bit on, on that part, but it's not anything like it is now. But uh, it was a they, – they loved playing the game. And they loved winning and they loved being out there and they loved being out there in the hot sun. And, you know, most of those players were, you know, from, from – the Florida area, and, and but we got some from Pennsylvania and California. But you know the atmosphere was was unbelievable. And uh, when Jimmy went to Dallas, Sam Jankovic, you know, I, he, I knew him when, when I was at Washington State, and I'd, I'd known him forever because he coached me at uh, at Montana State when I was playing. And uh, so anyway, he moved on his career, and all of a sudden he's he's in uh, Miami, and uh, so out of the blue, when Jimmy leaves, he calls me. I didn't expect to get that call. I had no idea. I was worried about trying to win some games at Washington State. And, and uh, I almost didn't take that job. I, I went back and forth. and, and uh, But I, I just said, hey, man, this, you're in this business for all these years, and you had an opportunity uh, to maybe win a national championship. I mean, you got to take it. And that's what happened, and, and we had we had a lot of fun playing. We lost some games, and we had some issues here and there. But I'll tell you what, I I had a lot of fun coaching, a lot of fun coaching there. And I, I'm closer to, to the players at Miami than other places, you know, other than Oregon State. And uh, so it, it was a real family atmosphere, and uh, we had great players, man. I wouldn't want to play against us particularly on defense because I mean, we had those guys, you know, Cortez and Warren Sapp and, I mean, Ray Lewis. And, I mean, there's some pretty good players.
I think it was all coaching, to be honest. But yeah, <laughs> we did have some pretty good players. Yeah, and you you know, but you get you say you go in there, you don't change anything with the offense, and then you get a very different job at Oregon State when you walk through the doors. This was not a program that had had history. It it had gone 28 years without a bowl game, and you uh, in your second year go 11 and one, go to the Fiesta Bowl, beat the pants off Notre Dame. That must have felt really good. Yeah, I mean. I could say it now. The worst mistake I ever made in coaching was leaving Oregon State. It was, it was stupidity at its best. But uh, uh, going in there, I, the thing that was fun about about there is, you know, they hadn't won, and the fans weren't spoiled. And, and uh, shoot, in Miami, if you lost a game, they were about ready to kick you out of town. And uh, But at Oregon State, you know, if you won and had fun and, and did those things, those fans were unbelievable. And, and uh, and as time went on, that you know that uh, Fiesta Bowl year was pretty special, and you know I'll never forget that. And we got better and better, you know, as the year went on. We almost got beat by Eastern Washington. Nothing against Eastern Washington, but <laughs> in Corvallis, and then we ended up winning that game, and and then we started to go. And then we got better, and we played at Washington, and we had a field goal at the end, and and didn't make it. But you know that was our only loss, and uh, uh, but the program was so much fun. The people there were so much fun. It, uh, and I've said this before: is the most fun coaching that I ever had. Those players wanted to do it. The boosters wanted to get it done. Nobody bitched. Nobody complained. I mean, it, it was you know really a heck of a situation there, and uh, we had a lot of fun. The today's world, you've got coaches dealing with the portal. The ability to transfer, you got name, image, likeness, which is kind of uh, you know creates a little free agency. Um, how uh, how much of a headache? To, yeah, yeah. How much of a headache does that look like for you? I wouldn't want it. I mean, I, I don't understand what's. I, I really do not understand what's what's transpiring. I you know my son coaches, and uh, you know they have guys that are just. First thing is you don't have an area to recruit. You and this guy, you got your your transfer portal guys. You got GAs, you know, that aren't even coaching. They're just transfer portal guys, and so they're looking all year for that. And, and uh, uh, you know, I want what, whatever's best for the kids, you know. But I mean, when you have that, when you have the transfer portal, it's like the NFL, like you said. It's okay. I played a year, and I'm going to transfer out and uh, go play someplace else because I'm not starting. I mean, I mean, what are we teaching these guys? I mean, what are we telling them? And uh, you know, so if you don't like it, you know, go someplace else. And, and you know, that's one part of it. they can transfer out. The other part of it, with the you know, nil is it uh, is it now it's how much money you're going to get paid. So if you're a transfer coming out out of the portal, so the combination of the two and uh, so you come out on the portal, now you're getting recruited again. But now you're getting recruited financially. And uh, and it's like free agency in the NFL, without a question, it's ridiculous. And I and I, I don't blame the players at all. I mean, you know, there's kids that are, you know, from wherever and, and the parents, and all of a sudden they come in and offer them a million dollars to go from point B to point C or, or whatever, and now it's getting in a bidding war. And they have no control over it at all. The, the presidents help make that decision, and they don't know what the hell's going on anyway. 
I, I just don't understand it. So now you got all these people, all the money. Now it's gone too far. They're going to have to do something about it. And uh, uh, to me, it's you know, I always tell the story when I played at Montana State. If I got you know any of that NIL stuff, shoot, they probably would have given me a free tab at the Hofbra, and I could bring my whole <laughs> offensive lineman down there on Friday, th Thursday, and Saturday night, and shoot, I could pick up all the beer and wings and all that stuff, but we didn't even have that opportunity. So the question I asked, and I asked you, if you're if you're a right guard or a right tackle or whatever position, and you get a quarterback that's getting paid millions of dollars, and you're getting a full scholarship, what the hell's up, man? I mean, yeah. If I was playing guard, they'd see a lot of lookout blocks. Yeah. yeah. Turn around and say, "Look out, rich man." And uh, <laughs> So to me, it makes no sense. I, I just don't understand. I don't understand what they're trying to accomplish. And it's, uh, I'm in favor of them, you know, if you're going to NIL, put it all together, all of it, and then split it. Hmm. You know, so if you have millions of dollars, split every guy in scholarship. Yeah, I like that you know, better. So now think, they're going to yeah. have it. Well, go ahead. Yeah, but, you're going to have problems you know, in the locker room. I mean, I think you're gonna, you're inviting oh. an issue in the locker room. Exactly. Not a question. And that's why Oregon State, you don't see that at Oregon. I mean, you see some. I mean, they get the quarterback. I mean, that guy's a hell of a player. But those other guys are treated good. And I, from what I understand, they've got a fund at Oregon State. And as you know, you know, the money that Oregon State has is not comparable to what they have down the road 30 miles, you know, as far as getting employed, buying players <laughs> is what it's about. Now they're doing it legally. Let and me ask you, Coach, let, it. let me ask you, because, you you know, you had time in the NFL with two different teams, and we talked about free agency. Uh, you know, give us tell us what we don't know about coaching in the NFL. Because you did all right when you went there. You didn't have the same success you had in college, of course, but, you know, 8-8, eight 8-8 and eight, eight and eight with Seattle a few years and the Niners a little bit. But what's how different was that in the NFL, that business? Well, the, the Seattle deal was 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 good actually because Tom Flores were there and for whatever reason they weren't very good. So when when we came in, Randy Mueller was, you know, the GM, and we had a long ways to go. And we kept building that team up and up and up, and you know, so in the last couple of years we were there, and then then Paul Allen buys a team, and then a guy by the name Bob Whitsett, yep. who you all know in Oregon, basketball guy. And he tried to be a football guy, and, and uh, you know we we got let go there because he wanted to get a bigger name. Mike Holman is who we hired. Hard to argue with that, but so I mean, so that's what it was like in the NFL. Now, the good NFL teams, the coach has control, and the general manager. You sit down, and, you know, like Snyder. You sit down, and then you got your scouts, and, you, and then, but you have, you should have the final decision on the draft, and uh, and and dealing with then you have the GM dealing with the salary cap. So, but but it's but it's it's different. You know, they have a, the players in the NFL have some of the answers, but you know, the most of them, the really good players and good people, they don't bitch. I mean. It, if you can coach them, if you can teach them how to be a good player, they, they don't care. 
and that's what we had there. The San Francisco deal was a mess. And that was my own fault because of the uh, the salary cap deal that was none. We had no chance. But yeah, it, it's different. Uh, it's a. I wasn't a real good NFL coach by any means, but I was a pretty good coach, and I just my personality was such that you know if I had to cut a guy, you know they've been in the league ten years and busted his ass and. But I had to cut him because of a salary cap issue. I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I did it, but I didn't like that. So I really didn't. Seattle was great, but San Francisco was was a mess. But you know, you have players that buy in, and, and you know, you see it with you know with Bill Belichick and some of those places where those guys got total control. Pete Carroll and and you know they and they have control. And there are some places you go in where you got some players in there and I think they have all the answers. Well, you have no chance. But you want to have their input. you got to have input from them. And you want to have input from those guys that have been in the league. And they can help you along, particularly, you know, when I went to Seattle when it was, I'd never been in the league. So, But it's it, it's different. You're playing with a lot less players, and it's it's all about money, which obviously college is now, too. So, Coach, but I enjoyed uh, the time in Seattle. The other one, not so fast. Coach, uh, I'd love to have you back on as maybe the college season approaches and get some more thoughts on you on, on college football. But I just wanted to catch up. And I think, you know, I, I know a lot of people in the state of Oregon miss you and appreciate what you did at Oregon State. And, of course, your uh, your career speaks for itself. But thank you for giving us your time. Okay, John, I still read your stuff, by the way. I appreciate that. I finally that. learned how to get on the Internet. <laughs> I finally learned how to get on the Internet. So. Yeah? No, All I just right. sit here. And, yeah, oh, yeah. So, to give good. us an give us an idea, like you know, your day, day in the life of Dennis Erickson. You're waking up, coffee, you know. Uh, you play you play golf. No, I don't think you're a golfer. What are, what are you doing all day? No, no, I, I play golf. I you play do. Golf. Okay. Well, I work, I've been in a pretty good uh, workout regime here the last couple three years, and uh, I go about four days a week, and I lift too, and if you want okay. to call it lifting, but. Uh, uh, but then I do a lot of, I've got a flexibility deal that I have a couple of days of work, which is over weeks, which really, really helps me. And, uh, and then I come home and do some more curls. I with, like that. You know, a bottle, of, <laughs> a bottle of beer or something like that. There you, you know, go. <laughs> pretty strong there. I love it. Hey, we'll get you back on. Uh, I appreciate you. You stay safe, and we'll catch up another time. Okay, John, thanks. All right, Dennis Erickson, there he is. Love that. Just so rich, so much to offer. We could bring him on all season long and get him to weigh in on quarterbacks and personalities and what it's like to coach across uh, so many programs, five different college programs. He won nine games or more with five different programs, two national championships at Miami. Fiesta Bowl at Oregon State might have been a bigger accomplishment than a national title at Miami. Let's be real. Uh, leave it here. You got the BFT. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.